I'd like for you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and um, of course this time of year, this is familiar scripture to most of us in, in some shape, form, or fashion, bits and pieces and so forth. Uh, and this morning, we're going to look at an encounter that uh, God sends these angels announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. So here in Luke uh, chapter 2, we're going to go to verse 8. Luke chapter 2 verse 8, we'll begin there. And we'll read through verse 14. If you would this morning, would you please stand as we honor the reading of the word this morning. Beginning in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your great love that, God, you just didn't say that you had for us, but, Lord, that you have demonstrated that love for us. And this morning, God, as we have gathered, I pray that the Word would find a place to grow and flourish and accomplish Your work, Lord, for we know that Your Word will not And we ask, God, that as we have gathered today, that, Lord, You would discernment, understanding hearts, and that, Lord, we would not only be a hearer, but a hearer of the Word. And thank You, Father, for coming to us because we could not go to You. Thank you, Lord, for making a way when there was no way. And thank you, Lord, that in a culture where we're always trying to, you know, is that we're working towards something, but yet, Lord, you came to us. You did work on our behalf that we could not do. Not to say, do this for me, but, Lord, to come unto me to in faith and in repentance Christ you have said in the name of the Lord shall be saved thank you for the greatest gift that we could ever ever unwrap in our lives that personal intimate relationship with Jesus Christ Make that fresh this morning, Father. We give you the glory for it all in Christ's name. We pray, amen. And you may be seated. I want to preach to you this morning about Christmas peace. And, and uh, Christmas peace is not that feeling that you've got everything wrapped, put in its proper place, 
and uh, you're set to go on Christmas Day. We tend to, in our culture today, we, we see whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or whatever the day is that we want to gather together, we put a lot of effort into making that day, quote, perfect. You know, we want that day to be perfect. And we go to great lengths to do that and, <coughs> excuse me, and understand on the surface, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But too often times, that becomes the main thing. And I'm a dad, I'm, I have children, and, um, and I understand all that goes in to that process. Um, I can remember growing up, and I remember my dad specifically hated Eclipse because they were on everything that we seemed to buy that needed to be put together. And I just remember the great frustration on Christmas Day that my dad be out there putting something together, Eclipse and Springs would be flying everywhere. And I just thought to myself, Lord, I don't want to be like that on Christmas Day. But it's amazing how much you end up being just like your parents in some degree matter of form and I too have come to despise Eclipse and other things like that that you have to have special tools to use uh, for and, uh. but in the midst of all of that if we're not careful we create a lot of chaos and a lot of unnecessary work and we don't know anything about peace and the kind of peace that God comes to offer us is not so much a feeling as it is a wholeness and a wellness of a person's really mind, body, and soul. And the reason for that is because the word peace to the Hebrew, shalom, was something that was just much more than a greeting. The idea, and it was an understanding that to greet someone with peace meant that there could be no, <coughs> that there could be no tension. There could be nothing coming between you and that brother or you and that sister. That there was a relationship there that if it was fractured, it had been mended. And so when they greeted each other with that greeting of peace, it was an understanding that, that it existed that it was something to be sought for, and it was something that was of great importance to them. And we need to understand that in the Christian world today, <coughs> excuse me, with respect to peace, we do a lot of things to seek that. We understand we live in a world that is not at peace. We can look around the world, we can look to our nation we can see that there is a lot of unrest. We can see that there is certainly not peace, that there is war. There's famine. There's a lot of poverty, alienation, and misery. And we live in this world, and we have been called of God to be the ambassadors of Christ and take this ministry of reconciliation to the ends of the earth. And we understand that this side of heaven and until the return of the Lord, we will not know the fullness of that peace. 
And though we not, may not see that manifested on a worldwide scale or even a national or even at a regional level, that is not to say or take away in any way from the reality that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Because God came to do so much more than just settle disagreements between the nations. God came first and foremost to settle the disagreement between my soul and a holy God. And He brought peace to us not by a creed, not by a ritual, but He brought peace to us and to, uh, unto the Lord through His own shed blood on our behalf. God did for you and for me what we could not do for ourselves. And when we look at where this scripture comes off the pages to us this morning, we understand that this announcement is made to shepherds. And what are they doing? They're out as they would be ceremonial, unclean people because of the nature of their job. They're away from all of the religious activity of the day. They're out separated from the city job to do it's an important job but it's one of those things where it's kind of out of sight out of mind they're just shepherds you know that's kind of that was kind of the vernacular that would be used to describe what they're doing and that understand that as they did their properly and that lambs would be brought ultimately to priests to used as the the ceremonial and sacrificial aspect of Judaism there to worship God, to offer atonement and so forth. You know, understand those who, who didn't fully understand that work were there to, to maybe even critique it or to inspect it. The work of a shepherd was lackluster, a thankless job to most. They were out of the mainstream of life. But they had a very important job. And there's something to be said for verse 8 that when you just do whatever it is you're called to do faithfully. Do what you're called to do faithfully. Wherever you're at as a Christian, it may not be in the ideal set of circumstances in your life. You, you, know, you just may be in a, a place right now where it's a little uncomfortable. Just bloom and blossom as a Christian wherever you are. And understand that, that if you are a believer and you are honestly and sincerely desiring in your heart of hearts to fulfill the call of God in your life. God will honor that. And just as he, he, he spoke to these shepherds, He called to these shepherds, when they were just doing trivial, meaning uh, things that were important, but, but, but to most, who would care? God cares. God cares about the faithfulness of His people. And whatever it is that, that you're doing, or whatever it is that God has called to you, whether it is recognized or not, just be faithful in what you're doing. God sent a message to these shepherds. He announced the birth of His Son. And He told them in announcing this, that in verse 14, that this would be, that this birth, that this, uh, the Son of God, Jesus, would be peace. That He would... He would bring peace to the world. And that, and that they needed to understand that, that God had given to us this great gift that we would know Him and that we would understand shalom, that we would understand peace in a heart. 
Jesus, multiple times through His ministry, would often say, peace I leave with you, peace I give you. It was a greeting that He would use often. It was something that was very near and dear to the heart of God. And in our world and in the chaos that ensues so often in a week-to-week basis, in a season-to-season basis, when, when you think you've heard it all, but the absurd shows back up. I mean, we live in that type of world. But in the midst of that, God's people can have peace. We can have that peace that surpasses understanding, that is inexplainable. Because it is not predicated on circumstances, but it is predicated on the facts and the truth of Scripture that Jesus Christ paid it all, and all to Him we owe. Amen. <coughs> we do ha- not have to live as the world. We do, ha- we do not have to worry as the world. And our concerns are not the same as the world. Christ came to give us peace. Do you know that? Do you know Him? Have you experienced the peace of God in your life? How would you know that if you did? Well... When we talk about the peace of God, the peace that Christ gives us, it shows up in a few areas in our life. Number one, it shows up in our hearts. It is the peace of God this morning that brings a clean heart to you and to me. The Word of God tells us there in John chapter 1 that Christ came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Christ came to be our sacrificial Lamb. He came to take away our sin, our sin debt. He came to pay the price. He came to clean the heart. He came to purge out the evil within us, the evil within our heart. He died on that cross for the penalty of our sin. We love the grace of God. We're thankful for the grace of God. We sing about the grace of God. The Scriptures teach, preach about But there is no grace without a cross that Jesus Christ was nailed to. You cannot have it apart from that. Sin has to be dealt with. It has to be paid for. Christ comes to give us peace and clean our hearts. He offers forgiveness of sin that is full and it is free and it is forever. God gives only one kind of life. It is eternal life. There's no other. It's not temporal. It's not here. Eternal life that is based in the sufficiency of what He did before God. And listen, the world did not give it to me, and the world will not be able to take it away from me. He came and He paid for it in full, and it has been deposited into my account by faith in Him alone, justified by the finished work of Jesus Christ. 1 John reminds us of that. That our forgiveness is is complete, sufficient, free, and forever. So the peace of God, Jesus came to give us the peace of God to clean our hearts. There's a second thing though, and that is that Christ gives us the peace of a right relationship with God. When we look into the Word of God, and we go all the way back, we understand 
that God created man in his likeness for the purpose of fellowship, of relationship. And, and we know as people, we are created for relationship, community, all of these other words that we like to ascribe to that. But we are. We are people that, that want interaction, relationship. We worship something. We are made in that image. We are made in that way, in the likeness of God. And when we go all the way back, we realize that we went from the peace of God in the garden in the evening and the fellowship of God to a fracture of that. To where no longer were we looking there with Adam and Eve. We were, we were not, no longer looking for the evenings of where God would come and commune with us, but they were running and hiding in fear because sin had entered into their hearts. And they were no longer at a right relationship with God. It was now shattered. It was ruptured. We're not born into this world saved. We're born into this world separated from God. And it is only through that relationship being restored by what Jesus Christ has done for us that we come back into a right relationship with God our Father. We understand even in our broken culture how awkward and odd it is to be with family and there, and there be dissension or there be issues. There, you know, we talk about you just walking around on eggshells, you know. You're afraid when you're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and somebody's going to get upset or Lord knows if you have a different political opinion or something like that and here we go. Our homes are full of that. Our families are full of that. Uh, we, 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 in our culture today, the, the more that we've got connected, the more divided that we are. We take every opportunity in our culture today to complain and whine about everything. We're upset about stuff that we have nothing to do with. We, we fire and fire people that we have nothing to do with. We want to argue and fuss. We want to armchair back. Do it all better than anybody else. And it has, we have no absolute authority or jurisdiction in most of the things that we complain about in our culture today. And all it does is divide us. It divides us. Facebook is the greatest picture of that. Where we, we have, quote, friends that we never talk to, that we never see. And we got like 1,500 of them. And we argue about, you know, who makes the best pecan pie, or why I use Cairo syrup and I don't. And if you use Cairo syrup, you are a heathen, and you should only use this type. We divide ourselves on all kinds of things today. We are so connected, yet we've never been more divided as people. God came, brought peace to reconcile us first and foremost with Almighty God with the expectation that if God could come and bring 
sinners to God. That we would have the understanding as those lost sinners who were brought into a right relationship with God, that if God could forgive us and restore us and love us, then you know what? We could also forgive and love and seek to have right relationships with other people. We are relational people. God talks and speaks to us as a family, being adopted as part of His family into His uh, heavenly, eternal family and the significance of that. Um, <coughs> understand the importance of, in our culture, a home, family, that, the, the significance of that. Even people who do not understand or come from a Christian worldview, we understand, we have to admit that, that family is important, that family is the basic unit of society. And, and, and when there is calamity and there are all of these problems, it can always be traced back to, the, to that thing, the family. When the family is fractured, society is fractured. When society is well, uh, you'll find families that are intact and are doing well. God made us that way. And just as we understand that laterally in our world, in our culture, we need to see the significance vertically as it relates to being in right relationship with the Lord Jesus. God came, Emmanuel with us. He come down to us to bring peace and reconcile and bring us to a right relationship with God and thank Him for it. There's a third thing. And that is that Christ gives us the peace of a spirit-controlled life. We're told in Galatians there, chapter 5, that part of the fruit of the Spirit is peace and also self-control. Paul mentioned in Ephesians 5 that we're not to be drunk with wine where there's a, you know, dissipation and debauchery, but we're to be filled with the Spirit. And the simple truth of that is that something is going to be uh, the idol or something is going to be on the throne of your life. And in, and in our culture today, if it's not right... Forget looking inward. Our culture today says if it's not right, you need to go see somebody. They have a prescription. They have a method. They have a therapy. That's what you need. And understand, all those things are, are good. Believe me, I, I got an antibiotic a few days ago. I feel much better now. I, I, nothing against medication. But far too often, when things are going out of control in our life, even Christian people, we never look in the mirror. We never look inward and say, God, what is going on inward in my life? Where is the evidence of a spirit-controlled life? I want to tell you, if there's no self-control and if the spirit is not in control of your life, then by definition, you're out of control. And if you're out of control, my friend, nothing's going to be right. There may be a need for all of those things. But I can tell you, I know this for a fact. There's a need for God above everything else. And if that's not right, nothing else will be right. He gives us the spirit of a controlled life through the peace of God. Saving us and then pouring His righteousness into us. Giving us 
gift of the Holy Spirit that we're not here uh, just on our own. Do the best you can. No, it is the peace of God that comes to us, fills us with His Spirit to bring that in our life. There's a fourth thing. Christ gives us the peace of a proper attitude toward others. Jesus said in John 13, there's a new command that I give to you, that you love one another. And as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That means more than just loving people that agree with what I say. That is loving people who don't necessarily like all the things that I like. Jesus loved us when we were unlovable. And we need to understand that as husbands and wives and as dads and moms to our children, God has given us agape in our hearts and minds so that we could give them the love at that moment that they so desperately need in the moment that they deserve it the least. And we are to love that way as God's people in an unconditional way that reconciles children to moms and dads, that recognizes a husband to his wife, that, recognizes a, that reconciles a to a neighbor. The unconditional love of God of where you give that person what they desperately need at the moment that they deserve it the least, just as Christ did it for us in His own self. A proper attitude. We have methods of evangelism, acronyms that mean all sorts of things, literature, Bible studies, self-helps. We have all kinds of ways in evangelizing and sharing the gospel. But I'm going to tell you to this day, there is not a greater method for sharing the gospel than simply the love for people's souls. There, there is no pamphlet. There is no book, there is no Bible study that is going to rise above that fact. If you do not care that people are perishing without Jesus, there is nothing you're going to do that's going to make you care. The reality that heaven is real, hell is real, and we're called as these ambassadors of Christ to take this message and give to a lost world, if that does not move us, then you tell me what will. If having benefited from the love of God and His mercy and His grace, and if that does not move us with compassion to share that, you tell me. You tell me the charismatic leader you need. You tell me the most eloquent words you can find that will move you. If you do not care, you do not care. And I got news for you. A culture won't care if we don't care. They need to know that the people who have tasted the goodness of God believe what they say they believe and that it matters and shows up in what they do. We can say all the right things. We're to do the right thing. Christ gives us to us the peace 
of a proper attitude toward others. I can't save people. I can't make people reconcile. I can't give people the, 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 the special formula that will make it all right. I mean, you know, look, this time of year, there, there are people in need all over the place, man. I, 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 know, I know people that, that in, in the midst of, you know, us trying to figure out what's on sale, they're, they're wondering about rent. That's the world we live in. And I can't solve that problem. And, and you can be a believer in the Lord Jesus, and that does not mean you'll never come up short. Sometimes we have to suffer. Sometimes we have to struggle. Sometimes we have to make it through the, the bad days or bad weeks or maybe a bad decade. And we have to struggle through the, 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 just the letdown, the hurt, and, and all these other things of that happen for the purpose of knowing God in a much more intimate and personal way. Show me the saint of God. Show me the saint of God that did not that did not suffer, that never walked through a valley. Show me the saint of God that lived their life on the mountaintop. And that's just where they stayed. There are none. There are zero. All the missionaries and all of the triumphs and the, and, and the stories, the life that they live that we tell our kids study as adults of the inspiration that they give us to just keep going. There is no easy life. You're not spiritual enough to be entitled to that. And if people tell you that, they want your dollar, man. God's people suffered. They put Jesus Christ on a cross with nails. They despised and hated Him. And He said, if you love me, they're going to hate you too. And yet in all of that, they had the peace of God. In all of that, somehow the Apostle Paul would realize that he was worth living and dying for the peace of God. Proper attitude to others. The peace of God gives us that worthy purpose of living. It's not in vain. It's not for naught. I mean, man... How long have you been a Christian? How long have you been a Sunday school teacher? How many times have you prepared? <laughs> and you're like, boy, man, this is so good. And you're just, you're just waiting to get there and just empty that out to, to, uh, to your Sunday school class. And, 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 and normally, you know, you're like, we're going to have 10, 12, and, and there's two that day. Is, and you just say, well, you know, I, I guess somebody else needs to teach the class. Man, come on. Come on. God's peace gives us a worthy purpose of living. You understand there, there have been people 
that have went to countries that would that would never heard of the gospel. Do you understand? They, they, they may have preached there, lost their family there, buried there, and never saw a convert. And, and yet, in heaven, there's reward for just a faithful life. As a youth pastor many, many years ago, um, I say this with a smile on my face because the, the young man that I was talking about at the time is actually... He's grown up and he's here today. But uh, I used to tell his dad, I used to laugh. Said, that joker's got the, extent, uh, the attention span of a gnat. And I, it just, I'm telling you, you, you just think, these kids are not getting nothing, man. They're not getting nothing. They just got, they got attention spans of a gnat, man. They, done not, they, they from this dog to the next dog, man. I mean, they just, whew. Whatever you're doing, if it's for the Lord, it's a worthy purpose. Let the peace of God settle that into your heart. You're not laboring in vain. One final thought. Christ gives us the peace for the adequate means in every situation. That does not mean that if you pray for it, you're going to get it. And that doesn't mean that if it's a good thing and that you pray for it, that you're going to get it. Philippians 4.13, you know, written under everybody's eye that plays football. Believe it or not, I know this is going to be a shocker, but it has nothing to do with scoring touchdowns or making hoops. Sorry if that's a letdown to you, but not. Believe me, even if Georgia last night had a head on everybody's forehead, I don't know that it would have helped, okay? But there's that. Ain't about that. Paul wrote this in the context that I've just learned to be content with whether I am in want, whether I am got excess, it doesn't matter. Christ is sufficient for every single day of my life. And He is for you and He is for me. And it is the peace that God gives us that makes me understand that and not panic when things are out of my control. Because I, I, got, I got news for you folks. Nothing is really under your control. That's why I'm always amazed, again, of the things that we worry about. Things that are out of our control. Let the peace of God settle your heart and my heart today. That there are things in your life that are out of control that I can't fix and you can't fix. But yet, we got to live. 
We've got to walk. We've got to persevere. We've got to make it. Let the peace of God settle our hearts and be reminded, Jesus said, peace I give to you. Not like the world. Not like the world's peace. I give you a peace that can settle us, the whole man, the mind, the will, the emotions, all of it. Resting in God and on God for His mercy, for His love, for His grace, and for His power. The invitation is simple. The invitation is verse 15. The shepherds were given an announcement, and look what verse 15 says. So it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see. See this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying. You remember Bethlehem that night, don't you? You remember what was going on? The city was overrun with people. How in the world were some shepherds had no idea where they may be staying able to find them? Let me tell you why they found them. Because they sought for it. They found him because they looked for it. And, and if you're looking under your tree for the peace of God that surpasses understanding, it won't be there. If you're looking to some guru out here in your TED talk for the peace of God that passes understanding, it won't be there. You won't find him probably, most likely, on most podcasts. And you probably won't find it in the 30-second theology lesson Caleb's going to give you. But let me tell you this. If you'll open up your Bible and you'll open up your heart, you'll find the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And just as they sought it and they found it, you can know this by simply asking, desiring, wanting it, seeking it. Let us move with haste this morning and seek that which we so desperately need, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray this morning with our heads bowed, our hearts bowed toward heaven this morning. Lord, we are grateful for your word. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the peace that in the midst of a, a very chaotic world and culture, that God, we have a foundation that is not shaken. We have a foundation that is sure. God, may we build our lives on you, on the testimony of your finished work. Thank you, God, that you offer all of us today the gift of yourself, of salvation. You paid for it. May we unwrap it in our hearts today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.